I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm curious, like, what what do you think it means? Because I think I've been out of the, like, dating scene since it's become a term that people say. Me too. Okay, um, I've yeah. I've been in a relationship <laughs> for, like, almost five and a half years. Mm -hmm. It is ascribed to me a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Carolyn. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You used it first, and I'm just affirming you. Yeah, that, that's, that's nice. It's so funny, because well, I've just been an agent of chaos. <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that wants to keep the movement going and free Britney from heterosexuality. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with writer Jen Winston about biculture, baby. Oh, something you know about. I know. It's my culture. I'm so excited. Before we get to that, we do have a few announcements. We're back in a major way at Stonewall. Tickets are on sale. 
when this now, episode finally. drops. Yeah, they're finally on sale. Yeah, I lied last week and I said they were on sale last week. They were not because we were finalizing details like a, you know, musical performance. Ooh, who'd by... that be? Oh, no. It's Softy. <gasps> Softy Popstar! Yes! Oh, so thrilled. If you haven't listened to Softy, can't recommend enough. Just say... Spotify play Oh No by Softy. So and good. not only will you get a great song, but then all the songs that play after it, bangers, each and every one. Queer bangers. <laughs> yes, it's so good. Uh, and she's such a, a great performer. So very excited that she's going to be at Stone Mall. Those tickets are on sale. The show is Monday, November 29th. It's going to be so much fun. Also, we have rescheduled our live recording that we had to cancel. Uh, what was it last month already? It was in right. October. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got o- some messages asking like where that footage was to watch. So if you don't right. know, we had to reschedule the event for a medical emergency. Everyone's okay and everyone's excited to do this for real December 7th. December 7th at 7.30. And another update on this is that we've uh, actually changed the venues. And because we, uh, in part because we felt bad of having to cancel the show at the last minute, we're now making this event free to attend. And to do that, we were having it at a co-working space called uh, The Wing, and it's in Soho. And uh, we hope that you will come out to that. And information on that will be on how to sign up an RSVP and everything. That will be available in the coming weeks, but definitely save the date, December 7th. We are so excited for that interview. We have so many great questions for Jenna, and we're probably going to, I don't know, replan what we're wearing. We were all dolled up and and ready to go (laughs) that night but now I'm like gonna change my outfit I'm gonna wear something else (laughs) yeah I've I've binged Jenna Lyons show on HBO Max I've taken all of her design styling and fashion tips and I'm going to implement them and see what she thinks I'm still so scared love it (laughs) love it I know okay she's great well well you go first Carolyn What do you mean? Because I want to hear what's the gayest thing you did this week. You know, I did think that the gayest thing I did this week was going to be that I went to something called Queer Soup Night (laughs) and Queer Soup Night. uh, They're on Instagram and they'll host these events where they invite some uh, chefs to come and make different soups for the queer community. And we all have soup together and we raise money for a good cause and uh, a listener shout out to Ash and Ash's wife, Sam, clued me into this event in Beacon, one of the gayest spots upstate. So Cecilia and I went and we enjoyed some soup. We enjoyed a nice conversation, a nice gay conversation with Ash and Sam, uh, talked about uh, family planning, just so gay all around. So it was a really nice queer, queer night. But we were supposed to record this yesterday Mm -hmm. and that was going to be my gayest thing but then we pushed it to today you got another gay thing in under the wire of course i did of course i did and nothing can be gayer then i went to a party called scope tonight 
also on Instagram. And they have monthly parties to celebrate the different astrology signs for their season. So it was the Scorpio season scope tonight party. And when you go there, they put a bracelet on you with your sign. So everybody is wearing their sign on their wrist. Wow. It's so gay. It's so gay. It was so much fun. I ran into a bunch of listeners. I can't remember everyone's name, but I want to say shout out to B, who gave me a a dollar to tuck into the uh, the thong of one of the dancers. Thank you. Uh, I met a Christina. A, a bunch of really, really awesome listeners. Thanks to everyone who came up and said hi and said nice things about the, the pod. And when I say dancers, yes, I'm talking about my latest obsession that I can't shut up about besides Tampa Bay's. It is the Honey Burlesque dancers and when they are at a party they just bring the energy to this magical place and scarlet snow and ruby quinn were dancing all night had a gay blast so much fun what's the gayest thing you did this week that's so funny that you had queer soup night because yesterday Allie and i while listening to Taylor Swift, Allie's a huge fan. It was Red Day yesterday. Yes. Congratulations Red- to the Swifties. Yes. Very happy for huge everybody. Huge day. Especially the Nothing New featuring Phoebe Bridgers. Ugh. <gasps> So good. We just yes, listened yes, to yes. that and made taco soup yesterday. Allie kept calling it pink taco soup. So there you go. <laughs> Pretty gay. <laughs> I had our soup while I prepped for a show I'm doing tonight called We're Not Sweet. It's where you take something that's universally beloved and you roast it. So I picked pride. <laughs> pride month. Yes. Guess what? I'm still recovering. I'm still not over the pride to Halloween season and I'm like compiling a slideshow for it and it's so funny looking at pictures of me from the beginning of June and just like how progressively haggard I look towards the end and it's it ends with this like picture of me Allie took of me passed out drunk naked face down on our couch beautiful (laughs) I'm putting an emoji over my ass and asshole which are visible otherwise um <laughs> please post it in the patreon i'll post, I'll post, post it. it in the facebook group if you're right a patron done. ten dollars a month yeah yeah you can see some side boob there <laughs> otherwise Allie and i have been trying to remember the importance of going on dates guys when you've been in a yes. long-term relationship it can be easy to forget like how important that is and yes. so we had a little date night. We went to Nighthawk and we saw Princess. We saw Princess Diana. That's the name of the movie. That's what we're calling it. Now we saw Spencer at Nighthawk. If you are not familiar with these movie theaters, you can have dinner and a movie at the same time. You can have a full meal and beverages delivered to your seat while you watch. And wait, Melody, I think I have to make an edit here. I think the gayest thing is that I copied your date night. Because Cecilia and I went to Alamo Draft House, a very similar, similar theater, and we the importance of date night. Yeah, we had a date and we saw Spencer. But you continue because this is your gayest thing. That's but I just like that we our collect, you. our collective yeah. gayest thing, not just us, but I feel like a lot of our listeners, many people did it. Had yeah, this very a lot of people gayest thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Probably the gayest thing, though, for this week was not even being half a step out of the theater and immediately Googling Princess Diana dresser, Princess <laughs> Diana stylist, Princess Diana dresser relationship. Like, and I'm not trying to spoil the movie. I'll stop there. But if you know, you know. And come on, don't you, you're looking at me like you want to dive in and discuss it. But it is, we can't without spoiling it, Carolyn. Is it really a spoiler, though? I feel like it's not a spoiler kind of movie i don't think that that's the the point of it so i don't know if if you don't want to hear about it then maybe you know turn turn the volume down or skip ahead for for a minute because i want to know give me give me the answers because spencer it's a fabricated like reimagining of what this weekend what the mental state maybe was of princess die in, in this weekend yeah. when her marriage was falling apart but what what did you find i found that that's not based off a real person and this is right. a fable a fable you know so that's uh, immediately the first thing on the screen when you see the movie this is a fable though the royal family does have very intimate relationships with their dressers this particular relationship um her dresser was played by Sally Hawkins, who confesses her love for her. And that's pretty much it. She just she has a crush on her. And it's um, an important relationship because Diana feels so isolated, like she has no one she is close to. And she cherishes her relationship with her. She doesn't reciprocate that type of love, but she still loves her she so much. She appreciates it. Mm-hmm. And that's all. All the straight women love it when us lezzies have have big old crushes on them. <laughs> love the attention. Yeah, she just loved the attention. They frolicked about it. Uh, it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, all, I did a deep rabbit hole search just to like <gasps> confirm and know that was not a real relationship. That's yeah. all. But that was a lot of time out of my uh, day. So that's got to be the gayest thing. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of the movie, but there is a movie about Marie Antoinette. And I want to say it was kind of the same thing that I think it was either one of her handmaids or her her dresser. And it was this like fabricated kind of unreciprocated. You're thinking of Farewell, My Queen, perhaps? <gasps> I am thinking of Farewell, My Queen. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. that was it. Isn't that yeah. kind of like a similar that, thing yeah. that's like fabricated? And mm -hmm. I'm like, why are you, why are you doing, why this, are you to doing this to us? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but also that, thanks oh, for that. That was, that was so queer, baby. Farewell, My Queen. There was no payoff. There was no pay. It had me on like the edge of my seat. I'm like, come on. They're getting so cool. And no, nothing, no, nothing, nothing. Oh, Okay, well, thank you for, for clearing that up about Spencer, and good luck with that pride roast. Thank you. I'll keep you all posted. <laughs> and I'll definitely post that picture in, in the, the Facebook group. group and on the Patreon. Great, great. Great, great. Well, let's get into this topic because there's so much to dive in and so excited for this one. Today we are diking out with Jen Winston about biculture. Jen is a writer, creative director, and bisexual based in Brooklyn. Their work bridges the intersection of sex, politics, and technology and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal. Heard of it? 
the Washington Post, CNN, and more. Her newsletter, the Bi-Monthly, which comes out monthly, is dedicated to exploring bi issues and experiences. And most importantly, her memoir, Greedy Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much, is out now. Let's do this. Jen, thank you so much for diking out, or should I say biking out Ooh. with us today on Finally. the podcast. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I'm really into like taking like by puns in general. Um, but like yes. recently I've been saying like most biconic of all time, which is the boat. So I've been like using the oh. boat emoji <laughs> and now I could use the biking emoji. That, yes. That's just, yeah, where I'm at. <laughs> so thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I mean, before we get into anything, can we, speaking about biking out, can we talk about your Halloween costume? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. Best thing I've ever seen. Best costume I've seen this year. Wow, yes. Thank you. Hands down, the, the best. Co- I love Halloween so much. And I also love the Ikea couch and I just applaud you for oh my gosh we're talking about the bisexual nobody believes you bisexual Ikea couch go to Jen's Instagram I was like considering if I if I should write the like actual like if if I should read like the couch left to right but I was like no the better cushion is the nobody believes you cushion oh yeah so yeah and (laughs) honestly like I thank you for saying that because I worked way too hard on that costume like I was like cutting gloves in half and like yeah it was a craft project for like at least a week and I've been thinking about it for several months so I appreciate the compliment it looks like (laughs) store-bought like like it looks like I was wondering if you made it or not because it's so perfectly done. My my partner was like watching uh, some movie about fashion design or something. And I was like, oh, oh, Cruella. My partner was watching Cruella. And I was like, (laughs) I'm over here like a designer (laughs) myself gluing gloves to a pink jumpsuit. Like, but thank you. I'm glad it. I was worried people wouldn't remember it, but apparently no one forgot. So that's good. Yes, that's amazing. It's literally like- my bio on a social media thing still, either Twitter or one TikTok. It's like bisexual, nobody believes you comedian. Like, oh, I amazing, never amazing. get over that couch. Yeah, <laughs> I, think- I, it, I know. It actually, it's so funny. Yeah. Somebody like messaged me and was like, oh, the when you change or to Anne is like Boolean, which like I was thinking, I like <laughs> vaguely had heard that somewhere. It's like a librarian thing of like categorization I was like whoa this is like on the level now also on Twitter I guess the the ex-girlfriend of the bisexual writer who wrote the poem was like telling her story and she was like I think I'm the biphobic person who like inspired this poem (laughs) so I'm sorry (laughs) it was just like really wild and like that's like in responses to my like tweet with my costume it's it's been a wild few days. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm also jealous because um, the lesbian couch was, mm. uh, I think, objectively the most boring of all the couches and would have made the worst Halloween costume. People would have been like, oh, a dress from Zara. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Although somebody also suggested like next year going as all of them, which is like such a good group costume. If you can get like, yeah, like, oh, a perfectly assembled group of, of queer people. It's like so good. Yeah. If I had if I had like any friends in proximity to me, I would have thought of that this year. But it was just me and my bisexual IKEA couch alone at home. So <laughs> yeah. Nice. Love it. Well, we have to ask. I mean, is that the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, actually, I mean, maybe. Or um, I would say queerest. Um yeah, I, I've been recently really like vibing with the word gay. I don't I even though I've like tried avoiding using it in the past because like it because I've wanted to say bi or queer like to because that word used to make me feel very like alienated and like I don't deserve it. Um, But I really like it right now. So I'm like in a space <laughs> where I'll say the gayest thing I did this week was on Friday night. Uh, my partner surprised me with something for my birthday um and we went to night of the living drag uh which was mm. like a rupaul's drag race like halloween special hosted by violet tchotchke and it was like phenomenal it was so fun so love it mm -hmm. yeah love that that's how i, I celebrated halloween last year like or the drag drive-in that's what it was oh, sorry i don't know if amazing. that's different yeah <laughs> i'm i'm like the the classic white cis lady who like is going to a RuPaul themed Halloween, like just fanning out over all the Queens. But like, you know, it was, it, it was really fun. And like there, there were a bunch of them there and they, they all were like so wildly talented and the costumes were yeah. great. What was your favorite? Hmm. My favorite number was probably Got Mick. If I don't know if you like follow. Oh yeah. The, we the love yeah. Okay. Got Mick did like an eyes wide shut. Uh, recreation and just like basically got naked on stage. It was lovely. <gasps> I love comics so mm -hmm. much. I know so much. My partner does too. And we were both just like, it was like the first time I think we both smiled for like two hours in like over a year and a half. <laughs> like we were both just like happy for two hours, just yeah. at terminal five. Somehow we, we managed to find joy. <laughs> wow. That's even more impressive. I know. Yeah. I know. It was so weird to be there. Oh my God. But yeah, it was good. I'm sorry, I interrupted. What were you going to say about your costume, about the oh, bisexual Oh, it couch? wasn't ready for that day. But I, I was like, uh, it would have okay. killed at that event. Like, people would have yes. known. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So, unfortunately, it was, like, just for Instagram, which is embarrassing. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're glad you put it up. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of queer joy, I felt so much reading your book. I don't, oh, this thank is you. one of the most validating reads in a long time oh, for right. me. Thank you. Yeah. Truly. I mean, I, I, I say, right. I'm not bisexual, but, but while reading it, I was thinking so many of our listeners like need to read this and will love this just to, to feel seen because yeah, the, the themes and everything that come up with it, we, we hear it all the time and I'm sure other people feel it all the time. Uh, I really, thank you. I really appreciate that. Cause like whenever anyone says that it is 
validating. It like validates me and makes me feel firm for even just like telling the story. Cause I think I still feel like it was a lot to write a book about. Like, like I've gotten some DMS from people who were like, I had no idea that my sexuality was worth writing a book about. And that's totally how I felt. And that's also a great DM to hear. Cause it's like, now people realize it is, I hope it unlocks more publishing dollars to source like yeah. uh, work like this. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been really amazing to have it out in the world and have people connect with it. So thank you so much for saying that. Well, we're here to dike out about bi culture and yes. the IKEA couch beyond <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned bi fi in uh, oh, the yes. book, having bi fi. <laughs> I love that. (laughs) I don't know how I've never heard that or that's a term you made up. Can we talk about gaydar versus bi-fi for a sec? Yeah. What what makes your bi-fi go off? Like what? Huh. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that has like been a challenge. It's hard to assess because I think a big part of bi people's especially like by women or like femme people struggle is like, I don't want to like sexualize women. I guess this is all like queer femme people's like something we all struggle with is like, how do we balance like being attracted to a gender that is like often sexualized uh, by the world. Um, And so I think I'm, I'm hesitant to be like, oh, my bi-fi goes off when it's like, my first instinct, which I, I'm pretty sure is like bad, was to be like, oh, when I meet like a cool woman, I'm like, you're probably bi. But I think, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's bad. Like, I think that because I think that kind of plays into the idea that everyone is bisexual. And right. for me, that was a huge reason why I didn't want to talk about it because I just felt like it was a universal thing. And I just didn't think, like, if everyone's bisexual, no one is bisexual. And um, then it's, like, not worth discussing. But something I've realized from all the messages I've gotten is that, like, it's a very unique experience. You can read it regardless of who you are, Carolyn, but (laughs) or how you identify. Um, Oh, for sure. But you identify with it and resonate with it in a different way if you're bisexual. And so it's making me feel like it makes me feel super affirmed when I realize it it is a unique experience. Like it, it just helps me remember that bisexuality is something like worth discussing, which is so easy to forget. Like a few weeks ago, I um, did an event with Robin Oaks, who's like a bisexual activist for many years. And she coined this definition of bisexuality that uh, really speaks to it being gender expansive and like fluid in terms of not 50% attracted to men, 50% attracted (laughs) to women. Like I'm sure most people have engaged with Robin's definition at some point. And she talked about this thing that she noticed in the bisexual community that she called bisexual pain, um, which was just sort of like the, the pain bisexual people carry for having to like having our internalized struggle and externalized struggle in many cases uh, that comes from being bisexual. And Even when she said that, I was like, wow, you're right. That's like a legitimate thing. And it's so hard to like believe that that pain deserves like to be treated like like other types of trauma and other types of pain. Um, So 
Yeah. I, I, every, every conversation about it is just affirming that bisexuality like exists. So I'm happy to, yeah. to dike out about it. Although I don't know <laughs> if I should say that, but I, I, no, I, know I was just going to say, okay, yeah. thank you for saying it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you talk about whether people yeah. should say it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And some people talk <laughs> at us about whether or not I bet. you should say it. Yep. Well, <laughs> me specifically. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. So I, I'm like loosely aware of like a dialogue related to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know much about it. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's the name of the podcast. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. When talking about that, that pain and um, you talk in the book too about this notion of by privilege that really it's not a real thing. Yeah. And, and I think that that is such an important thing. And I I think especially for lesbians (laughs) to read about because like, I, I know yeah, that there are a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, bisexuals, they do have this privilege and can walk through through the world um, like that. But when you when you really dig into it and I mean, I know just from starting this um, podcast four years ago, I there was so much I didn't know about bisexuality until having these bigger conversations um, mm-hmm. a- around these topics and reading about um, the numbers in terms of like depression and substance abuse and like all that all the stuff that goes into it and then also like every i mean melody you can confirm every listener question we have from uh someone who identifies as bisexual or pansexual seems so fraught with like anxiety over their validity and just Mm. like guilt for when they're like we we just had one last uh (laughs) or two weeks ago that was like apologizing for having feelings for a cis man. And we're like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, like now that I'm like in a queer relationship, I I mean, we, we've like talked about being uh, non-monogamous someday. And uh, I like, can't (laughs) imagine, well, I like, can't imagine just for like, like going, having an encounter with the cis man again for a number of reasons. But I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not no longer attracted to cis men. It's just, it seems so like it would just send me on a spiral that I'm like, can't deal with. And so I think like most of my book is written, it's written from the perspective of like being like, I guess, pretending to be straight my whole life. But I know a lot of bi people have experiences where they're like, where they come out as like a lesbian or as gay and yeah. And, and that <laughs> it's definitely a different experience because like for me, so much of the hurdle what like was tied up with it. W- it was tied up with not like imposter syndrome, but also like internalized homophobia a bit. Like it was like, I don't like if I'm going to come out, like that's a whole thing, you know, I wanted to avoid that. So I think like once, once you've come out once, it's a whole different thing to then like shed that, I shed that identity or like wrestle with that identity publicly. Yeah. I came out as gay and then had to backpedal and come out as bi. And it was actually probably just subconsciously a lot of internalized biphobia mm-hmm. that I was ignoring 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that time. was big for me too. Of course, that's like the whole the whole picture. Yeah, it's interesting, Melody, that you say like backpedal, like it's somehow <laughs> yeah. like regressing that's true. to. But that's some um, internalized behavior. I know, and then I said thing. it in that sentence. <laughs> No, but, but I mean, I didn't it's even a daily good, struggle. Good catch. I didn't even think anything yeah. of that. I think that's like internalized straight phobia or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's like then thinking of that spectrum as, as, but, but I, yeah, you're right. It, it, it right, is a right. regression because yeah. then it's like, it's the gold star still being at the, like mm-hmm. the purest gay. Right. Um, right. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, well, this is a personal question for you, Melody, but did you, when you came out as bi, was it because you like were getting into a relationship or like, uh, was it just because it was actually when the apps started coming out Mm. and they were, I think mostly like when Tinder came out, it was for like pretty hetero, like dating. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't that many options for girls. And then I, I was always like hetero curious. I think I had a lot of like (laughs) trauma, like trigger warning, like childhood sexual, like I was just like men aren't safe. Um, and kind of, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. wasn't interested, uh, for that reason had like therapy was like working through things Knew I had attractions to like some men Mm. that just had like, (laughs) 2013 was wild. I was fucking everybody. Um, <laughs> Same. And really, I was trying explored to, my <laughs> bisexuality big time that year. And then I had a relationship with a man. Yeah. Mm. So basically, mm-hmm. it's well, it's interesting because I found a lot of like bi people in relationships don't think that it's worth coming out unless they are like wanting to like quote, act on their bisexuality, you know, like, uh, like there's this assumption that like coming out as bisexual isn't just about like being your, your true self. It's about like, like acting on your desires. Um, and so like, if you're in a monogamous relationship, like, why would you come out as bi unless you want to like explore more kind of thing? There was a line, um, in the book if I paraphrase, sorry, um, it was like coming out didn't make sense unless there was somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really resonated. I felt like there was no reason to um, come out about my queerness um, unless I was like physically going yeah. to be with a woman. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that line. Cause there aren't like when I've grown to like hate everything that I ever wrote because I'm a writer and that's what we do to our own art. But like, I actually like that line a lot. Like I read it the other day yeah. and I was like, oh my God, that's good. Um, so thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think for me also, it had a lot to do with like a lack of physical space to inhabit. And I didn't really realize this until recently, but like, I didn't even know I was allowed to like want a bisexual bar or like inhabit a physical space. And I didn't realize how much of what I knew about straight culture and gay culture and lesbian culture all had to do with those, the physical spaces that those identities like inhabit. And I, I think I mentioned this in like a, a 
in the book, but the, it was really interesting for me to reflect now, uh, that like most of the events that are queer inclusive or like the, the like queer parties that are inclusive of fluidity are intentionally like not white centered, um, like bubble tea or poppy juice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they intentionally are like decolonial in that way because having it be so binary and like not fluid is, is really a like colonial ideal and a white ideal. So, um, that, that was interesting in hindsight. Cause I was like, oh, wow. The thing that was making me feel so uncomfortable was like also whiteness in so many ways, even though I'm white, yeah. I should say, cause this is a podcast, but I, it was, it was like a, a white supremacy shaped system. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Our listeners are so sick of me saying this, but Poppy Juice is <laughs> one of the best parties. <laughs> it's, so, it's really great. Obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm actually For those not reasons. sure I've been since I've been out, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've only been like, like, or since I've been like out very publicly, but oh my God, it's so fun. And it's just DJs are great. They mm-hmm. do. They do a great job. Definitely. Yeah, it, it was fun reading all the references to different places in New York. Like when I saw there was a chapter that was like out of the woods, I was like, oh, is this going to be about oh the my woods? God. Is this gonna be about <laughs> I was wondering if anyone if anyone would get that. Yes. And it was. Oh, it yeah. Was. Yes. Yes. I was so excited. But like also <laughs> even when I like look back, my experiences of those nights are like it's like. It's it's it was like embarrassing to write. Like it's just like now that I'm out, I'm like it's just Mister. Like it's literally like something that you'd have to like now that I don't ever go out anymore. Like post pandemic, I like you know I know what to. It would not intimidate me whatsoever anymore. But at the time, it was so like I was like oh, oh my sure. god, like this is so like much and yeah. The same yeah. same with Rhonda in L.A. I don't know if you've been uh, or well in the, no you know, I hadn't heard about that okay so, so that yeah same yeah I actually went earlier this year and I was like oh god no because it because it has become like a circuit party like basically but it used to be like drag oriented and like I don't know it used to feel like super fluid and queer and and I learned so much about like what was possible at that event but yeah i that was in like that was in like 2012 that was when i was fucking everyone so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i i really like what you were writing about about how lesbian and gay culture specifically you know is born out of these like physical spaces and these bars and being in these bars um and the like one thing that I noticing now that things are a little bit safer for for going out and I'm spending a lot more time in in these queer spaces again is that there is this like why are there all these men at the cubby hole mm. and uh people like wait why Larry why are there men at the cubby hole <laughs> like yeah pe- people like like literally confronting men at lesbian bars oh really like why are you here oh yeah 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 like i both seen it and have heard of people doing it when i hear these things i'm like i don't know it could be like a bisexual woman's boyfriend like it could be a bisexual guy like it could be non-binary i I guess it could be a guy guy yeah Yeah. like you you don't necessarily know and it's weird to 
Like, I get that, you know, the cubby hole can only fit so many bodies in it. And if you're clocking what seems to be a straight cis man, but like you can't make any assumptions these days. And it just feels like, yeah, like people aren't thinking about making room for specifically by people in these spaces, I guess is my I guess, point. I guess I appreciate that. Um, but I, <laughs> but I also think that like, if I, well, I don't, and I, I get a lot of like comments about this. Um, so I'm like yeah. trying to sus- figure out my thoughts as I think, uh, or as I talk, but I feel like if I were dating, a cis man right now I would not want them at the cubby hole because it's like it, it feels like it's a like a femme oriented or not not femme but it feels like it's a a space that should not center cis like to be a cis man in that space you're taking up space yeah. at a, at somewhere that you shouldn't necessarily be um but I mean, then that's also weird, I guess, because it's like, I don't want to like different per like, I don't want to be there and differentiate between trans men and cis men. Like, that's not a like great thing to do, but sure. it's also, I, I guess this is when these conversations get like, I, I think it's on the person to decide if that's somewhere they should be taking up space. But yeah, like maybe there's no like hard and fast r- rule about it, but I just wonder if maybe... Um, if there's like a bisexual woman, let's say, who's in a relationship with a cis man and feels maybe disconnected from the queer community mm-hmm. and going to spaces like the cubby hole makes her feel better, but then she, you know, feels more comfortable going with her boyfriend, like yeah. should should that be okay? Um, and like considered, I guess I like know. as a one off, but also I feel, I feel <laughs> like, I feel like the real problem is that there should be queer. Well, like patriarchy should not exist. And like the presence of men shouldn't make people feel threatened or scared, first of all. Um, but like, right. it obviously has that effect, but then I feel like the, it, there should also be space bisexual spaces and there just aren't any that are yeah. that are like openly that there's one i don't know if you've been to mood ring in yeah i love yes mood ring. <laughs> yeah did you know it's a bisexual bar no. no i didn't know that until i started like i wanted to have a book launch party there but it like i was not able to do that because of covid um but i like started looking into their like ethos and they have like a i bought a sweatshirt like that was their merch that says discover bisexuality on it oh my god <laughs> um really but and it, well and so i did i went with like some friend a few friends um and i was like okay this is it's it may be a bisexual bar but it's like it's that era of like hooking up with everyone, like just age group wise. So I like didn't yeah, align yeah. with it anymore. But but I, I thought <laughs> it was really interesting that one, that that is how they are, uh, like that's how they name themselves, um, but also that they don't really name themselves that that publicly. Because I mean, a dream of mine would be to start a like legitimate bisexual bar location thing. And before the pandemic, I was going to work with my friend Ben, who's in the book, who's like a a bisexual man who I dated. We were going to start a like bi party um, and we were going to call it the bi-monthly. 
Um, and, <laughs> and then the pandemic happened. And so I took that name and I started a newsletter called the bi-monthly. <laughs> um, but I still would love to make that happen. Cause I feel like if you're a bisexual woman and you like want to bring your boyfriend to the cubby hole, like you, sh there should be a, a better place for you to go to that makes you feel more affirmed, like rather than getting like dirty looks from everyone there too. Right, right. Yeah. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. So paint this picture for us. What does a bisexual bar look like? What is the decor? How are people oh my dressing? God. Well, what I mean... <laughs> I, What's the drink special? What are the names of the well, drinks? They all have our haircut. I love that we have. Yeah. Oh, I, oh my god! I thought your hair was back. Yeah, we have the same hair. Okay, we have the same haircut. We're the same age. Great. I've never yeah. related to someone more after reading Great. this book. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, perfect. Well, I, I mean, I just realized what I was explaining why a bisexual bar should exist. That I like maybe should actually write a business plan because I I keep talking about it in like loose terms. Um, I think there would be a very small area. No, actually, no bisexual lighting uh, because I feel like the joke I was gonna, that, yeah. is played out. But uh, and <laughs> and I also the same. I had a big issue. Th this makes me think of of creating my book cover because it was really hard. Um, because it it basically there are no like comparative books like this in the world that are like overtly about bisexuality but aren't like queer theory right and i didn't want it to like look like chiclet like kind of like i didn't i didn't i wanted it to kind of look like gender neutral and i definitely didn't want it to have the bi flag on the cover because something about something about the bi flag to me it it feels like a little bit like de-sexed I don't know if that's like the right way to say it, but I guess it feels. That's how I feel about the lesbian Ikea couch. That's how I feel about literally every flag. Wow, that's um. interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're, they're flags. They're like, they're like, you know, something you can hang in your, or your parents can hang in the window if they 
are nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, in I, I just wanted like I wanted it to be like raunchier than that, I guess. So I worked with this designer, Rodrigo Corral, who was like so amazing at understanding the complexities. Um, and I really like love what we came up with because it, it kind of like reads as confused to me. Like it's hard yeah. to read at first and it like takes up space. And it also feels like a memoir because it has handwriting. That's not my handwriting, I wish. Um, but <laughs> good. Um, I, I think designing a bisexual bar would be similar. I would just want it to be like cool in, in terms of like various interior designers whose like work I have saved to like an Instagram saved section um, as opposed to like making it align with anything bi-culture related because so much of bi culture is just completely random. Yes, I love how you talk about it in the book. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, for I, when you were saying um, today we're going to talk about bi culture. I like frantically was looking around my desk because I normally have these fake nose rings near my desk, and they like make <laughs> me feel bisexual. So I like usually put them in, and I was like, oh my god, I don't have one. Like, am I going <laughs> to be bi enough? Like, it's become this like external thing that I just wear. So yeah, I, I feel like. It's challenging because I want, I, I like, I wanted to write this book. So it felt super on the nose about bisexuality, because if you don't call it out directly, it's supposed to be like implied, but that plays into the, like, everyone is bisexual. No one is bisexual idea. And I think I, I felt the same way, or I feel the same way about a bar. Um, like I would want it to be overt, but also not like tied to what we typically think of when we think of bisexuality. But I'll get back to you on the drink puns because that'll be a <laughs> yeah. fun, fun exercise. I'm down oh to go God. to go on the nose with that. <laughs> also, the chair selection. Oh my God! Right. Great call. <laughs> that's wow, call. that's the actually that's the whole shtick. Like, I don't know if you um, <laughs> are interested in like Kelly Wiersler's interior design work. Um, no, I'm writing it down. No. I took I took her <laughs> master class. Um, but oh yes, she's yes. she's amazing. Oh, I was okay. like, I wow. just didn't know her name. Oh my god, she's so amazing. My wife made me watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so amazing. <laughs> but she designed um, the I forget the name of the hotel. It's in Santa Monica. Um, yeah, and it like has a bunch of different chairs. Um, and I mean that's it's it has a straight vibe for sure. But it's the the queer Kelly Wiersler aesthetic is probably what I would go for. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chairs to sit weird in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> All types of stools and like knee rests and stuff like that. <laughs> what, what are some things that are supposedly by culture that don't resonate? Hmm. I mean, most of them resonate because they're just things that apply to like everyone. Like that's the right. the guiding right, right, right. principle about bi culture. A listener just responded to one of my stories and saw uh, cuffed pants and was like, "Love it, love that bi culture." Yeah, <laughs> but then it's like, is it bi culture? Is it Brooklyn culture? Is it just the culture right now? Every like, yeah, cuffing. <laughs> I mean, I well, that was the only thing I was toying with as a as a motif for the cover and. When I told that to Rodrigo, the designer, he was like, I, my jeans are cuffed right now and I'm straight. <laughs> and like, I, I thought that that was really interesting because like, it's, it's the same thing of like, if everyone's bisexual, no one's bisexual. If everyone has right. cuffed jeans, like 
that can be our culture, but it's also everyone's culture and it means nothing special. And I think that's like what we've been op- like what we've been operating with as a community for so long. Right. I mean, I guess like when I, when I think about like lesbian culture, it's like, oh, wearing um, flannel during the fall. I'm like, OK, but like, so does everyone. Like, I guess, I guess we do it true. more. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. But 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 at the same time, it feels like, oh, yeah, yeah lesbians in their flannel. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're right. I mean, yeah, it's there are some things that like the community has like come to own and then right, it becomes exactly. like and I guess the biculture stuff has become that way. But I think this is really yeah, whether or not you choose to own it. That sounds. <laughs> yeah. And I but I think this is actually really interesting when it comes to threesomes, because like like when you say you're bisexual, something something that went through my head, at least was, oh, people are going to think oh, I just want to have threesomes all the time. Um, which was also true at the time, like very, very <laughs> yeah. true. And, uh, so I was like, not prepared to say you're wrong. Um, but then <laughs> it, it also is like m- me wanting to have threesomes. I wasn't able to be like, I want to have threesomes. Maybe I'm bisexual. Like it didn't work the other way. Um, because right. bi people don't really get to cl- reclaim the stereotypes about us because there's so much like stigma about being bi in the first place. So mm-hmm. um, I, I found that really interesting to to think through was like, while I was having threesomes, that's like the straightest I felt because I felt like threesomes were, I mean, I, w- I was having like uh, FFM threesomes and I just thought they were things I was doing like because men liked it kind of, but it was never really like in the act of it, it was like never for the like man in the room. Like, honestly, I could have like cared less in most cases, like if that person had been there. Um, But it was, yeah, it's interesting that, that I thought of that as a straight, like a fetish, a straight fetish rather than like a queer urge. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I found that really interesting, too, the way that you wrote about all of that, because, like, I think the first uh, thing you mentioned is, like, they're going to, like, assume that I want threesomes. I do. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's wrong with that, you know? And, yeah, it like, I never thought about how I've always also thought of threesomes as being very straight, even though I've loosely participated in them before yeah uh but at the same time it did feel like yeah i i think the the thing that i didn't like about it was that it felt straight and i'm like get me out of here <laughs> like, mm-hmm. i mean a lot of time like i think you can have like a very heteronormative threesome but inherently like the right. makeup of people like inherently it will be queer like yeah uh yeah like just by the numbers um which right like somehow that i like realized that while i was writing and i was like oh my god that's like actually wild like like all threesomes are like inherently like involve some kind of queer interaction like yeah like if whether you have like three like different genders or uh like two of one gender and another gender or you know like uh or three of one gender like that's all that's all queer that's all like not inherently straight but like yeah at least two out of three are going to be queer yeah in whatever the scenario yeah ex- exactly exactly um and yeah i i was like blown away by the fact that i had just 
not thought of that as as a as validating in my queerness like because like I I really just thought it was me participating in straight culture but I I guess that speaks to how much like hold patriarchy has over uh things like like that like sexual encounters like that and like another thing I realized while writing is like it was hard for me to tell what was what I was doing like because I enjoyed being fetishized or like what I was doing because I was queer. Like it it was hard to make that distinction. And like one of my first encounters or like one of my first times I made out with a woman was like very much felt that way. Like it was like for an audience of men and of boys, I guess at the time. (laughs) Um, And uh, I really liked it, but I was like, do I like it? Or do I just like that they liked it? And that was was difficult also I, I just realized while you were uh while we were talking about like what's wrong with wanting to have threesomes I think that's like something that I really hope comes through in the book is like at first when I titled it greedy people were like that's a negative thing you like shouldn't call it that like I got a lot of feedback that the subtitle should be like and other misconceptions and I was like right. no, <laughs> no no I'm like trying to reclaim it like it doesn't have to be yeah. a bad thing and I think it like I uh very much believe in like sex positivity and so I want I liked how the lens of greedy and the lens, uh, the lens of greedy overlapped with bisexuality and sex positivity. Um, but I really like came to that idea through the work of Shiri Eisner, who's a bi writer and activist, um, who's like quoted a lot in the book. Um, but they, they wrote a book called Bi Notes for a Bisexual Revolution. And in that book, they talk about how like bisexuality is often a scapegoat for like these other systems like monogamy um, or uh, patriarchy or like gender. Um, and even like bisexual confusion it can be like a destabilizing, this is Sherry's quote, bisexual confusion can be thought of as a destabilizing act of social change, which I like love because it's like, it basically unsettles the idea that we have to accept the things, the options that we're presented with. Um, and reading that, I was like, oh, wow, I could actually like be proud to be this uh, because like fully claiming your bisexuality means like, like denouncing all these other systems uh, that are harmful to everyone. And so then I was like, okay, I, I could write a book about this <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It got me thinking a lot about just confusion in general, but mm-hmm. also made me wonder how you feel about the chaotic bisexual. <laughs> it's term. funny. That's funny. My partner <laughs> told me I was being chaotic last night because I was trying to cook chicken out of a box, uh, like out of a like pre-made meal kit from the menu. And I was, I couldn't, I like ruined it. It was so embarrassing and I could not handle it. And (laughs) I was like (laughs) freaking out. It it was a warranted descriptor. My partner was like, you're being pretty chaotic. (laughs) And I was like, ah, like that, that term really set me off. And I, I hadn't realized that that term affected me so much. Um, but I think it is kind of a, a stigma. I'm curious, like, what what do you think it means? Because I think I've been out of the, like, 
dating scene since it's become a term that people say. Me too. Okay, um, I've yeah. been in a relationship <laughs> for like almost five and a half years. Mm-hmm. It is ascribed to me a lot. Mm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Carolyn. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You used it first, and I'm just <laughs> affirming you. Yeah, that, that's that's nice. It's so funny because well, I've just been I have been an agent of chaos. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if it had yeah. anything to do with my sexuality, but I mean, well, y- you also have ADHD, right? Yeah, same. big time. So same, <laughs> and actually, I've talked to so many bi people who do. And I really need someone to do a like a clinical study, actually. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is why I can't tell if you're just if I've never had a unique experience as a bisexual or if it's you specifically. I relate so hard <laughs> to with like the yeah. ADHD, depression, even down to the cooking. You're talking like Carolyn knows <laughs> I get so I think it's the ADD for sure. But like it's, can't cook, get yeah. deeply frustrated. We had That's a meal kit sponsor. Yeah. Melody burned it. <laughs> oh. I, <laughs> They laid everything out. They portioned everything out. I still started a fire trying to make our sponsors (laughs) (laughs) very simple chicken dish. Um, So, wow. That makes me feel way better considering last (laughs) night I was like so embarrassed. But um, because it was also a pre-portioned meal. Um, But yeah, I, I, you know, I've gotten that literally, like a lot of people have said that exact thing to me is like, I feel like I've never had a unique experience in my life. And I'm like, oh, that's not, that was not my intention. Um, But I think it's just like, nobody really talks about the nuances of by experience. Like, it's just not something we talk about or share. And, and chaotic is vague term to, like put on it because there's no like deeper exploration, you know? Yeah. And well, and I think of a lot about uh, earlier, Carolyn, you mentioned the statistic that like nearly half of bi women are sexual assault survivors compared to 17% of straight women and 13% of lesbians, which seems ridiculously low across the board. Um, But an early reader of my book pushed me to like push, like was basically playing devil's advocate in a good way in like a I'm your editor way um and was like why do you think that is and I had no idea and even when I first read that stat I was like this doesn't make sense like bisexuality couldn't be like a prerequisite to like you know it couldn't it's not a big enough deal to be any type of causal reason why why someone might experience higher risk of sexual assault. Um, but that was internalized by phobia talking that made me think like bisexuality isn't important enough to like dictate these experiences. So then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, why did this happen? And I had to look at my own life and I was like these, I mean, it definitely, I like am not contesting the stat like that aligns with my own experience. And I think most of the time I put myself in very risky sexual scenarios. Cause I was hoping I'd like, come out of it, like knowing something about the world, like about myself, like realizing who I was really, like, I just didn't know. Um, And so I think a lot of the chaos comes from that, just nowhere to like, there's nowhere for us to like, settle, like settle down, like we have to like move around and try to figure stuff out before we realize like, oh, we're, we're actually good as we are in this like state of flux. Yeah, I love that. I I also think uh, like I 
have um, been talking about this a little bit on the podcast, but uh, my wife and I, we opened up our marriage mm, uh, somewhat recently. Thanks. And, uh, you know, when I tell Melody about these encounters I have, the the ones with women who identify as bisexual, Melody is always like, Chaotic bisexual, classic. Like, <laughs> like those do happen to be like the more. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the chaotic story, and like, it happens to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm not not chaotic. Like, uh, like right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that's interesting. But, but part of me feels like like that maybe like chaos. It's actually anxiety mm. that's tied to to these hookups where people like. There's just so much anxiety around being uh, bisexual, and then also maybe that gets heightened when you're hooking up with someone who's like, yeah, I'm like a lesbian, not only a lesbian, but I'm like a married lesbian. Like, it mm-hmm, just seems mm-hmm. like the L is huge. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'm just giving <laughs> those bisexuals a lot of anxiety that they, you know, that I things mean, get a little crazy. From the way you're talking, <laughs> though, you seem like very affirming, so... I, I mean, I, I think a lot of that <laughs> yeah, probably I mean, has to do with it being like in internalized anxiety for yeah. sure, though. Yeah, yeah. I Yeah, I don't think I'm because I'm like, you know, yay by women. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that I mean, that's like I I I guess I can't like deny the chaotic bisexual is another one I can't deny. And I I think Mm -hmm. that um, like we can ladder them all up to like, you know, these, these reasons, but ultimately like it took me so long to come out as bisexual because I thought that the, like I thought I had to be the opposite of all the stereotypes before I could come out. Um, But really realizing that I was exactly every single stereotype was like so it made me feel more seen and then it also made me just feel like more confident because I was just proud of like having a an identity that was like I guess slightly like rebellious you know I I thought it was just a non-issue before and I was like oh this aligns with everything um so that was nice and I mean I guess maybe chaos for me is like my domestic bisexual uh <laughs> phase like I'm a chaotic <laughs> I guess a feral, uh, that, that's what they say, like a feral housewife when you're like just being a mess. Um, but yeah, yeah that, that I'm, in, I'm in my chaotic housewife phase, I guess. A chaotic bisexual yes. homemaker. Uh, I love that. Me too, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, of course, me too. If, if you sorry. had the same <laughs> struggle with the chicken, then like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I've never, because um, we're talking about a lot of like widely touched on stereotypes about bisexuals. One, I don't know if people talk about a lot. And I wonder if is a thing, the closeted bisexual gay best friend, gay male best friend mm. dynamic. Like I had that. I know a lot of other bisexuals who do, but I never hear about it discussed a lot. That is... <laughs> I'm really happy you brought that up because I obviously like talk about that in my book and I like, yeah, uh, like have a very close friendship with a gay man who like, uh, like was sort of my like platonic, I don't know, like, like right hand person for, for Mm -hmm. like several years. Um, and I've actually like, since the book has come out, I've talked to some people who've shared that 
experience and that like trope. Um, and I, I mean, I thought I, w- I was like, oh God, I'm playing into like all the like rom-com things here. That's like how I saw it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize that it m- might have also been a, a buy thing. Um, and I think, I, I think it is because I think like, for I think for a lot of bi people, there's like a prox a, a lot of bi people who are like not necessarily out as queer at all. Um, there's like a proximity to queer culture that like yes. like I mean drag race even is maybe like a gateway drug to like coming out. Um just for, for anyone, <laughs> but like because it exposes yeah. you to queer culture in an accessible way. But um like all all those things kind of they made me feel so close to it that I actually felt like I couldn't claim it myself, which I think is interesting. I had other encounters that weren't like other queer encounters that like weren't in the book because they were all just miserable. Um, they were. I was like, <laughs> these are all the same miserable story. I'm just going to do one or two. Um, but I I think when, the, when those started in a like gay bar type presence that would like where it was mainly like cis men around me, I was like so much like more uncomfortable. Like, I mean, I I was, I wasn't more uncomfortable, but I was also uncomfortable. Like it, it made me, it didn't make me feel any better that I was in a queer space where I felt good. You know, it was Mm -hmm. still like, oh, I'm here, but I'm not like, like the rest of you, I guess. And I don't, that's not meant to be like, I mean, at the time, maybe it was a bit like internalized homophobia, but I think it was also just, I never felt justified to claim it. Like I never felt like, like I could. And a a lot of that I think also has to do with, I didn't, with not having this lack of attraction to the gender that I was like supposed to like, like theoretically, like I, for a lot of like lesbian and gay people that can be like a tip off to how, you know. Um, but for me, I was like, well, I guess I'm straight. Cause I like, that's the side that I like, I'm cool with this. So I'm not going to like escape it. And it, it, like, I didn't have that lack to like, tell me that I, to put sort of push me to, uh, the other side or the other end of things. Right. Yeah. I think it's also like a thing about chosen family that bi people don't really think that we like get to claim, I guess. It's sort of like, I didn't really real, looking back, I had so much chosen family and like also looking back, like all my friends are queer. Like my partner, my partner made me realize this and my partner was like, we don't really like hang out with any straight people. And I was like, what about my friends? And, and Brinley, my partner was like, none of them are straight. What do you mean? (laughs) Like hardly any of them. Um, And I didn't even realize that, but it's been that way for, for a while. And I think I just never like put it together. that These were like my queer people. Yeah. My friend group, I'm starting to realize more of them are bi because no one even like talks about it. They just Mm -hmm. are in like homo relationships and they're in our group as a couple and it only ever comes up if I bring it up <laughs> and then yeah. like someone will come up to me like I'm bi too but like you would never know yeah <laughs> like, I feel right. like that's like what know. inspired me to write the book honestly it was like when I came out like 
which I did through like an Instagram post, um, which is like embarrassing, but I, um, I got <laughs> so many I- effective. Yeah. Um, I culture. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it is. It is. Um, I got so many DMS, uh, from people who were like, Oh my God, me too. I've never talked about this. And I was just like in shock that, there were other people who felt this or like who were like this. And I've talked to like, I talked to Robin Oaks and um, several other like bi activists about what bi community looks like for them and like what it has looked like. And for a lot of them, it like happens at like academic conferences or support groups <laughs> is a big one. Um, and mm. it's just like, it's it's interesting the way we've all kind of like found uh, a bi culture to of our own to exist in. Yeah. Like you're saying, I mean, even if you don't know that most, that a lot of your friend group is bisexual, like it sometimes happens that way. And you're like, oh, no wonder we connected. Right. Like, cause, cause it is a really like being bi forces you to have like a unique I don't, it's, I consider it like a tool in my toolbox now that like helps me understand Uh, a world outside binaries. Like that's what it has done for me. Um, And I feel like I connect well with people who share that. Um, So I I have, since I wrote the book, I've I've come to identify as bi for bi and my partner is bi. Um, So that works out. Nice. Uh, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with bi culture necessarily, but there is something in your book that really stuck with me that I had to ask about quickly. Was there really a, a guy that you were seeing who could only come if, uh, what was it, the born identity? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, was on, I just, I, I, I mean, we, we had one, we had one one night stand and it was like such a <laughs> terrible day. It was such a terrible day. And it was one where the whole time I was like, this guy doesn't even like, this guy doesn't like me. Like I was like trying hard and he didn't seem interested. And then I like checked out and then he was like, uh, he was talking about the born identity on the date. And, uh, then he was like, I was like, I've never seen it, which is (laughs) is true. Um, and, um, it's still true technically, I guess. And, uh, he was like, you want to come over and watch it? And I was like, uh, sure. Like, and so I went, which this was like what my dating experience with men was like for so long was just like, uh, sure. And then he like, like we started hooking up and then he was like, wait, wait. And he put it on. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, you're like wanted to watch the movie. Like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. And then he like continued to normally like they would just disappear, but he like continued to text me afterwards. So I guess Matt Damon, you know, (laughs) did it for him. Yeah. Feels like a bi guy. Yeah. I, in hindsight. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm also now like realizing that Matt Damon like has, has in recent months, like, outed himself as like an incredibly homophobic person so uh, there's that (laughs) there's that Um, right but yeah did you watch generation q this season yes i did i actually wanted to talk to you both about that because i'm curious great yeah i well i I don't think i finished it like which i don't know if telling probably a spoiler but i saw 
that like did Bet and Tina get back together? Also, I know that's not what we were probably going to discuss, it, but it was left yeah, on. It, it was left on. Yeah, it was left on. I want to know how bisexuals feel about Tibet. Is what I was getting at. No, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was left on a on a cliffhanger. But um, you know, when we think about the most prominent like bisexual characters on TV and how they were uh, done dirty. Uh, Alice Piazeki is mm-hmm, definitely one mm-hmm. of them from the original L word. And we were uh, shocked when they decided to remember uh, yeah. that Alice is in fact a bisexual woman. And yeah, just curious about your thoughts on on how that was handled. We have our own thoughts. I'm, I would love to hear your thoughts too, but I actually thought it was handled like pretty well because I think that their relationship was really like uh, cute and healthy and good. And I think I have this chapter in the book where I compare like queer love to true love, like true love being like the myth that is like fed to everyone by like Disney movies and uh, queer love being like love that where you have to like ask questions and like check in with yourself and communicate. And I feel like in that by those parameters, like it was a, it, it seemed like it was a, a queer like interaction, regardless of it being like a, a, like a relationship with a a woman and a man. Um, So I, I I thought that was really nice. Also, I just like love that actor from, from Scrubs days. Um, so that made me happy. Um, I'm a bit disappointed by the fact that they didn't use the word very much. Um, like, or if they did, I didn't really notice it. They used it was problematic. Yeah. Well, they used (laughs) to use it, but only in problematic, like condescending ways. Um, like on the original. Yeah. Well, there's a line, um, where um, Alice is fighting with Natalie, her ex, mm-hmm. um, who is coming out as polyamorous mm-hmm. and Alice can't deal with that. And as they're fighting about it, Nat is just like, well, it's no different than you being bisexual. Oh, which yeah. Which is false. Um, yeah. But they don't. I forgot like, about that. They don't clean it up. Like, they just let that hang there. Yeah. And, right. Like, yeah. it's it's it's. Like, it's like they're trying, but not hard enough. Um, It's interesting because actually, like, while writing the book, I learned that 80% of bisexual women are in monogamous relationships, which, like, blew my mind because I didn't even realize, like, 80% of people were in monogamous relationships. I was like, wow. (laughs) It's interesting, actually, that they showed, like, that if you – they didn't, like, do it right, I don't think, but – uh, technically, Alice is, like, a monogamous bisexual representation then. Um, yeah, but they didn't like right. claim it that way. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that the relationship with the character Tom was done really well. And it, and it did feel like queer love and totally that I, I think the other misstep is like, OK, we're we're doing it. We're addressing um, Alice's bisexuality. And then we're going to put her in this like adorable little relationship, yeah. love story, whatever. Um, meanwhile, you have like Maribel being very biphobic yeah. with Micah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. And oh, my like, God. Wait, yeah. wait, wait a minute. Yeah, What's yeah, happening? Yeah. No, that's so that's so true. 
Um, You're cleaning it up over here and making a mess over yeah, there. Come on. They, yeah. It, and it they is never cleaned true. that mess up or had her acknowledge the biphobia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Micah never calls it out. Right. And it's, it's really ridiculous when she, she's like, was I just an experiment so, yeah, to you? I, I agree. Agree. <laughs> I, you know, it's been like a few weeks since the, or months, I guess, since I watched it, but I, I had that right. thought as well. And I, um, yeah. I think part of the reason that using the word bisexual is so important is because like it it takes it from the space of of it being like a behavior um, to it being like an identity that people like, you know, you would never say something like that to someone if like you knew that that was their like how they I- identify and like who they are. Um, and, right. and so much of that is like why I needed the word because I mean, it goes back to the threesome thing of like threesomes are like a bisexual behavior, but like they're not part of bisexual identity. Like that's something, you know, unrelated to sex, even though it's like defined by sex. But I I think that is the other issue I have with the way they showed Alice. Um, Like just like, oh, now she's like dating a man. Uh, Like I I think it's (laughs) it's problematic when we are only being like that characters by because they're because of their relationship history because that like fed into my like she could have been like a proud bisexual and not necessarily dated a man. You know that you don't have to show a like a relationship with a with a man to like prove that this character's by like there are many other ways exactly. that yeah and so i think yeah i felt like that complicated it too because it's like oh they're only bringing it up now because to like validate her bisexuality it was almost like they felt like they had to pair her yes with a man and that her bisexual bisexuality would have like remained invalidated if they didn't do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, yeah know. exactly and and it had to be a cis man it, of like, course, yeah. of course. Although, I mean, well, and then they have to, like, invalidate the, the trans bi character. So, right. like, of course, this is how it has to go. Um, yeah. But, yeah. That's how you know it's the L word. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know, it's, like, yeah. I, I also, like, I, f- I found myself, I was like, ugh. Like, I'm annoyed that Alice is, like, not hooking up with a non-binary person right now. Because I have a big issue with bisexuality often seeming like it's, like, reinforcing like two genders right um, right and and then i was like i'm probably asking for like too much of this show um but like just because it's like all that we have but the that's what my, all my partner says every time i make a complaint my partner's like it's all we have baby that's what i say <laughs> um but yeah yeah it, i mean it's true but i i wish that like i would love to see representation from someone who's bisexual uh and attracted to non-binary people or is a non-binary bisexual person because it's like that is just such a huge misconception about bisexuality um Mm -hmm. that is another reason i didn't come out for a while um because i thought i'd be like like uh invalidating like a group of people's identity and i was like well my identity is not worth that even though i like am not not attracted to non-binary people and now like i identify as non-binary and my partner identifies as or my partner is non-binary a uh, trans non-binary person so yeah it's like <laughs> i feel like bisexuality is also a gateway drug to identifying as non-binary um <laughs> which yeah 
I don't know if we're if we're at time. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. we got to have you back. <laughs> well, you'll have to get the book, which is called Greedy Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. Jen, where would you like people to purchase the book and where can they follow you on social media? Uh, you can purchase the book wherever books are sold. Hopefully, if they don't carry it, you can throw a fit and ask them to carry it um, <laughs> or online at bookshop or the other website that shall not be named. Um, yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at generous with a J. Love it. Well, thank you so much for Yay. biking out, yeah. biking out, <laughs> Yay. all of that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, it was great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad, Melody, that since we recorded this, I did get a picture of you performing by culture by sitting weird in a chair at Union Hall when we went to go see Sabrina, oh, that's right. Jaleese and Friends. Yeah, I'm saving it. You're, where's we'll that post it on going? the gram. Okay. It's going on the gram. Oh, by man. culture. Hashtag by culture. Yes. I'm really looking for those bisexual chairs, though. Can't wait. Yes. In the meantime, <laughs> let's give people advice. We have yes. a listener question from a Patreon. It just came in just in the nick of time and it went straight to the top of the list. How about that? All right. How do you talk to cishet people that are worth the spoons about the gender <laughs> binary? I am in Albuquerque where I did a lot of growing up and this trip around. I'm having so many tearful conversations with my longtime friends that are failing to understand why there is a need for other boxes than just male or female. I have explained the difference between biologically assigned anatomy and the social construct of gender roles, but have had a hard time getting them to connect the dots where the othering happens that causes pain to members of our community. Great question. Also love to know that uh, you measure people's worth in spoons. That's something. Is that I've never culture? heard that, but I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to measure measure your worth in spoons. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this one, I think this one is tricky. I mean, there are a lot of great resources out there and people sound off in the episode comments of any. So when we post the episode art, please post any great um, articles or books that you can. I would say articles because I'm doubting no matter how many spoons they're worth that <laughs> cishet people aren't going to crack open a, a whole book about uh, gender identity and gender theory and, and things like that. But what I will say, and I this might be an, an unpopular take, is that I think you also kind of have to understand that, you know, in, in our community, we are very much more evolved on this concept of, of gender. We are living with this definition of gender that is actually very different than what gender means for the vast majority of the population. And if you spend most of your time in queer spaces, sometimes you lose sight of that. But for the majority of people, gender is very much tied to sex. Mm -hmm. So it is a challenge to get people to see that. But also, if if that is their experience of gender and that's their own personal experience and interpretation of that, is that not somewhat valid? You know, like as long as they're respecting other people's 
definitions and expressions of gender and of people who don't fit into a a forced, you know, binary, then I don't think that you have to change people's minds to completely redefine gender. I think that's asking too much of the cishets. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's an unpopular take. We say this as to cis women, too. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take that with. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So just take everything we say with a grain grain of salt. salt. And then I definitely encourage our gender non-conforming listeners or non-binary listeners or actually anyone who has more perspective than the two of us to weigh in on yes i'm talking specifically like i i definitely think i don't think it should be hard to convince a cishet person to understand how other people might not fit in to a box that's male or female and are somewhere in between there, there are examples in pop culture. You can point to. So we have non-binary uh, celebrities. We have. It's sad, um, but you that know, actually gender helps. Bending. Yeah, like, bring up celebrities like that. That's a great point of reference for people, and they can be like, "Oh, yeah, I see how you know Prince isn't the same as Channing Tatum, even though Prince <laughs> didn't identify as non-binary." But like, you can see like that the the spectrum there of of masculinity it it's a it's a pretty big range so if you bring up those examples it might be easier for them to see other people don't identify as those two things and respect how people identify because that's who they are that's you know that's how they identify and it doesn't affect you and it, it doesn't change your gender id how someone else identifies so you know um that that's the best advice that I can give. I just don't think that you can necessarily. I I think a lot of the conflict comes in when we're expecting everybody to have the same uh, definition and mm-hmm. understanding of gender when it is very different depending on where you live, how old you are. You some people grew up their entire life with one idea on how gender is, and like you know, one HuffPo article is probably not going to change their mind. So the most important thing to get across is just getting people to respect other people's pronouns, names, not questioning. Well, why do they identify this if they look at that? Just let other people do their thing, respect it, support it. You do your thing. Let's all get along. That's my take. Melody? I'm sure you've also explained gender dysphoria to them. Like, yes. um, I'm wondering, yeah, how, how, like, what points we've hit with this conversation. Um, Have them listen to an episode of Diking Out. We've had non-binary and... Or Gara's podcast, too. Um, Oh, yeah. And Baby. Yeah. And Baby has... It's a whole podcast series about this, you know? But that might be overwhelming of, you know, where do they start? But... Oh, yeah. Gara was on Diking Out and (laughs) talking about being NB. So... 
yeah have a them lot listen good... to like one thing there are a lot of podcasts other than diking out that are oh, hosted no. by mostly non-cis people <laughs> yes you can point them to that too am am i just trying to get more people listening to diking out yep that's my master yep. plan thank you that's your toxic trait um yes <laughs> <laughs> i was just i, I wasn't gonna say me. there's a lot of um not other podcasts but just art at large about this right my good friend ever maynard a friend of the show has um in the last couple of years come out as non-binary and recently announced that they're getting top surgery and to explain it to a lot of the conservative people in their hometown in their family in their home community who don't understand to their parents especially um they wrote a poem and they wrote also a short story for them to <gasps> read and can we link to that yeah, I'll I'll ask ever. Um, All right. Yeah, I would love to, you know, check our show notes. Maybe there's a link to it. Yeah. <laughs> and it really um, helped Ever's parents get it, I think. And yeah. um, I think their mom even quoted a line from it back to them recently. So like art, not just like looking at, towards a celebrity, but like, what is that celebrity like put out there that touches on that that helps people understand? Right. I just believe in the power of art. Yeah. And actually, you know, this episode, uh, if you get the book Greedy by Jen Winston. Right. They get into some of this stuff, mm -hmm. actually. And Jen is partnered with a non-binary person and they're they're both bisexual. And it's a great exploration about how, uh, you know, just breaking down the the stereotypes and misconceptions about gender and sexuality and the relation that the two have to each other. So there are there are a ton of great resources out there. My little PSA was, you know, no matter how many spoons, you know, keep your expectations reasonable for this is hats. That's mm -hmm. all. Right. Well, I'm excited um, to see if anyone weighs in. Yeah. We'll do like uh, Instagram story situation too, where people can write in their suggestions. Yes. Oh, that's a great one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we'll share the answers. Beautiful. So stay tuned for that. You know, to to see all that, you better be following us at Diking Out on Instagram. We're also on uh, Twitter. We're on TikTok at Diking Out Podcast. I'm on social media at TGI Carolyn, posting pictures and videos of. Go go dancers! And <laughs> Truly, that's that's the vibe. All my content now. Uh, maybe it'll get me more followers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see why not. Um, I'm there too, posting pictures of my cat on stories. You can follow me at Melody Kamali if you're into that. Hashtag by culture. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We can't wait to dike out with you again. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.